the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC 277 Recap. Going over results from Saturday Night Show right here on a Sunday, so strap in. What's up? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analyst is working to find over at MMAJunkie.com, as well as the Action Network. But on this here program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this. Um, it will be after the fight and before the next fight, because it's just going to be a recap show. And not an official after-party, because, uh, you know, I was a little too tired. I was a little too partied out, if you will. Not really partied out, um... Uh, but uh, just 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 beat from the week. Um, normal uh, fight card start, and you know I'm here on the West Coast U.S. time, where it's kind of you know catered to us people in the U.S. North America. So, you know we're the last people to complain. I definitely am not going to complain. I, I enjoy the normal air quote normal times. Allows me to get some morning grappling in, which I which I did um, <clears throat> to make up for um, some of the spotty days as far as uh, training goes. It's still been a bit crazy here. Um, just update, you know, stepdad, he's doing better, but he's, he's out of ICU, but he is still in the hospital. Hopefully we'll be getting him back soon this week, beginning of, but, uh, but yeah, it's been, um, it's been a bit of a tag team with the, uh, situation with the, uh, with the dogs and the madre and, uh, everything else. Um, so yeah, um, apologies there. That's another reason why I haven't gotten with, um, my guy, uh, my guy Kyle Mack over there for uh, Combat Chronicles podcast at Combat CR. Which, by the way, he released a recap show, not just for UFC 277, but arguably just as importantly, if not more importantly, uh, where I am shamefully lacking in the JMMA and just really MMA outside of UFC, my beat, big fights in Bellator and Contender Series, the stuff I get paid for, you know, it's more than... You know, I got more than an excuse, sure, but I still feel bad about it because I appreciate the other stuff. I just don't have the time for it. Um, thankfully, there are smarter people who do dedicate that time, and that is Kyle. If you want any Risen 37 coverage for uh, Saika Izawa and, and the lot, I didn't realize uh, Takoto was down at 125 for the first time at like 44 years old. Remember that fight he had with L.C. Davis? And that was like, you know, later career to- Tokoro. And Bellator, I forget. I was one of Bell, my my favorite Bellator fights though. L.C. Davis versus Hideo Tokoro. Um, if you want to look for a more modern one, that, that guy is through the eras. That guy. So, um, shouts to Kyle, who's always doing a fantastic job on that. But I got to get him on here for the, our '90s episode, which I have been crunching in between. I just I, I just worry that my research for this episode and prep has been spread out so much i've been having to double back and like watch stuff that i already had which which you know i hate to do um just in my processes sometimes i gotta do that within a week you know um 
depending on, you know, when the videos do, if I can't write it in time. And now we got Contender Series going every Tuesday, so I really got to be on my shit. Um, so we're going to knock out a recap of UFC 277 from top to bottom. This shouldn't be too long of an episode. Uh, you can check the timestamp for when that starts. Uh, I'm just going to uh, follow through with a couple more shouts and the Amazon click-throughs that I didn't get to on the last podcast. Um, figured, you know, if we're doing a recap podcast, giving you guys an extra, a bonus, if you will. And thankfully on Twitter, at DanTomMMA, at the PYN Podcast on Twitter and all social platforms. Like, subscribe, follow us there. We won't pollute your feeds, but we're, I'm most active at DanTomMMA on Twitter. Uh, posted up a poll uh, for you guys to vote. Do you want the, the live YouTuber classic audio? Thankfully, you guys voted for classic audio. I, I like it better. You, you know, a little bit more of the the classic and creepy Dan Tom. And I'm <laughs> more comfortable, I guess, uh, not having to show my mug. Um, you know, which which is is, you know. Getting a little easier to do. Getting back in my fighting shape, uh, if you will. Um, and that's feeling great, you know, with, with everything else going on. Um, you know. Uh, you know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm not going to wax too much into personal stuff. But, uh, but yeah, that that's essentially, <clears throat> I guess, um, what's been going on. Uh, what's been going on with me. Um, the rest of the shouts should come fairly organically in the recap of the event, so I'll just kind of table it for that, and we'll move on to Amazon shouts. Uh, Amazon shouts come from uh, the uh, website that hosts this here program, uh, MixMartialAnalyst.com. That is my website that started and still hosts the Protect Your Neck podcasts. Um, I put, you know, and it was, you know, yeah. When we didn't know as much as we do about you know some companies, especially like you know the Amazons and uh, the world and, and and supports to people who work there and their workers, I'm not hating or whatever. Just um, just wish the workers got treated a bit better. But uh, I do have Amazon links on that website that I shamefully have not taken off yet, um, as well as some website called On It. If you get anything from there, um, but they have their affiliate links. So basically, if you go to mixedmartialanalyst.com, look to the right or toggle to the right, you'll see click through links. Um, and you can click through those, and you just click once, and then you do your normal shopping, and with no extra cost, no extra hassle, no extra clicks, you just do your business, and a small percentage of whatever you purchase comes back to this here podcast. Uh, for the Amazon ones, not the on it, it will actually give me a list of what you bought. It won't tell me who you are, so get ready to take a shot for a David Carradine joke. If you wanted to you know, be like David Carradine, who's David Carradine, Dan? Most of us are born in the 2000s or, or late 90s. Um, and have your one night in Bangkok, you know, by the karate gi, some, you know, some rope that's not too tough on the skin, you know, some nunchucks, whatever, you you know, vibrate nunchucks. I don't know what the kids do. Whatever you want to do, I won't know it's you. You can have at it. This is a safe space. I mean that. <laughs> but maybe you won't be safe from me pontificating amongst your purchases, but we won't know it's you. That's the great part, right? That is the great part. Uh, of course, if you don't want to have to buy anything, you go to mixedmartialanalyst.com. There's a a secure PayPal link uh, right there if you just want to donate to the so show. Straight up. Um, I don't really pitch that that much because I'm, I, I, I'm not the best businessman nor panhandler nor anything in between. If it has to do with money, I'm terrible, which is funny because I've like worked for a bank. I've done cash out for major corporations because of my my, my uh, uh, good skills with money. Um, but, um, but yeah, like uh, as far as business side of money now for myself, yeah, I fucking dropped the ball. Uh, <laughs> Um, 
the fuck was I going with that? But yeah, you can uh, you can donate there. Also, you know, at Dan Tom MMA, the, I have a link tree with all these links and stuff, including the uh, secure donate to support um, if you like. Especially since my ass still hasn't gotten it together with like even like. And again, I'm. I, I, I'm, not, I'm never going to put my main content, my bread and butter behind a paywall kind of a deal, but maybe, you know, people suggested, dude, I want to support you, uh, you know, so I, uh, rather than randomly uh, you know, hitting some PayPal donation link or whatever, like, I, t- I totally get that. And, and those are those of you out there, and I appreciate that. So for those reasons, maybe I'll start one up in the future and do bonus things. I know, I know, I know. It's like the girl, you know. Waitressing at the uh, cocktailing at the strip club. I'm the, honey. I'm not taking my clothes. I'm just cocktail. We know how it starts. Not shitting on sex work, by the way. Just <laughs> it just seems like a very apropos example. And I live in Vegas, so what do you? Yeah. Sue me. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, it's okay. And you know, if I kept having any losing nights, I would be doing the uh, male stripping like the Simpsons version. You know, when Bart Simpson goes out like. Bart Simpson. <laughs> He's all like washed up, like Yeah. Alright, Dan, we don't need that visual. Um, let's go let's go to purchases here. Somebody bought a USB C to USB A cable, three point one fast charging. Appreciate that purchase. Somebody bought twenty fifth anniversary of Starship Troopers. Let me click on that. Oh wow. That is fucking cool. Um, yeah, this is the original Starship Troopers when, you know, woohoo, you know, when, before when you thought that song made you think of Michael Bisping, it made me think of the trailer for Starship Troopers, if you grew up in the 90s. Um, and this is a really fucking cool, like, this is what I appreciate about good artwork. If you, if you guys go to Amazon.com, type in Starship Troopers, or 25th anniversary, I'm sure it'll pop up. It's like a really cool, it's like blue helmets with the skulls, and it's like a yellow backdrop. Um, just really cool colors that really pop. Really good art. Shout out to that boss logic guy. It's like the importance of having good art and cover pieces are like is so underrated. Like, I'm not even the biggest Starship Troopers fan or whatever, and I want to go buy this, you know, just because of that cover. That's effective marketing too, from a business point. So you know, we're artistic and business meld. That is beautiful stuff. I remember watching that by the way for the first time at uh, sleeping over my buddy, my buddy Lewis's house. When we were kids, and then uh, someone rented it, and you know, uh, his parents probably rented it, and we're like, oh yeah, rated our sci-fi because in horror, you know, that's like the that was the thing to do at least for me as a kid. We just stay up and watch as much rated R sci-fi horror as we could. And um, I remember watching it and like just kind of calling out things like, oh, and now it's gonna hit him in the head and suck his brains out. And I was literally, I've never had that sense where I was literally calling things in a movie. And my friends thought I was trolling them. Like, you said you didn't see it, Dan. I'm like, I didn't. They're like, bullshit. How did you know that happened? I'm, like, I'm sorry. I just couldn't keep my mouth shut. I just thought it was going to happen. I, I don't know. I'm getting lucky. And like, I literally guessed the whole thing uh, pretty much. You know, not that it's a crazy movie to guess the beats on. But, you know, hey, you know, fucking 12-year-old Dan Tom over here. Um, wow, that was, I was 12. That was some good quick math. That's right. 97 would be 25 years ago, right? In 97, I was 12. It's a good thing about being born in 85, because like 91, I was in first grade, 92, I was in second grade. It's easy. All right, Dan, uh, stop uh, moving on. Someone bought Heat. Um, what was I just thinking of this movie? Oh, yeah. Somebody, uh, I saw a meme from from this movie with Al Pacino, 
uh, where he's doing the, the, the binoculars and he's looking down from the docks and he's like, this, this crew's good. Hoo-ah, my dick's on fire. Sorry, that was from the recruit. Um, but, uh, but yeah, um, <clears throat> I remember seeing a tweet when I was just like, and I, I, I so related to this because, uh, again, when I went, and not, not the harp, the bad luck thing or whatever, but it's just a, it, it's a theme, if you will, and not just with the betting, but with food, especially like my family members, uh, girlfriends, people who know me, like know this. It's almost just comical when, when my order gets wrong because that's like the norm. Uh, so someone posted like a meme with Al Pacino on the dock saying this crew is good, and, and like the text was, "When I go to Popeyes and only and, and only one thing is wrong in my order, <laughs> like this crew is good." I'm like, I can relate to that. Uh, anyways, uh, somebody bought uh, this Tinky. <laughs> That's what I call my dog. Tinky two pack cold brew coffee bag, one twenty micro food grade. Ooh, I ha- I don't know if I have this one. Uh, I would remember that brand. But I think I have like my own cold brew coffee maker in my closet. I used to use it, and I've been like on hot coffee even in the summer now. Just hot coffee black, no matter time of year or time of day. That is, I'm that guy now. Um, cool. Let me know how that works. Whoever bought that, um, everything, everywhere, all at once. I, I've, my girlfriend actually bought it on her Amazon Prime account, and then my mom watched it, and she loved it, and she's like, "You'd appreciate it more." You gotta be really stoned. And then she went into spoilers as she does, and I had to stop her. I'm like, I haven't seen it yet, Mom. Stop, stop. I know I'm a bad Asian. Speaking of which, like on my live chat, I always get like Chinese questions. I'm like, maybe, you know, the, maybe they're not bots. Maybe they're real people because they're, they're clicking through and buying Chinese movies. I love it, man. I don't, I, you know, maybe, maybe it was that, 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 that stint of going on the, you know, the, the cinephobic rants, anti cinephobia, obviously, I should say, rants. And I don't know if I'm getting all this uh, Chinese attention now or something. I, I, I'm clicking the algorithm. Rambo 1 through 5, $13.99. That can't be right. Let me click on that. Wow. I mean, I don't know if this is like 4K or anything. It doesn't appear so. But yeah, DVD collection, 1 through 5, Rambo. Thirteen ninety minus fifty. Oh, it looks like it's on sale on Amazon. Minus fifty three percent. Okay, if you're a Rambo fan, does that include the creepy Rambo, uh, where he was in Thailand, the one they were advertising when when Chuck and Vanderlei were gonna finally fight each other, and it was on the mats. And like, I remember I went to go see that with my guitar player, and it was just like it had the creepy like, it had the creepy general like uh, molestation scene. Uh, trigger warning. Um, where it was like, it, I always remember this movie too. Like, it, it, chime in if you guys have seen that thing. It's like the, the 2007 Rambo. And it was just like, it was like, uh, like, uh, uh, the general calls, like, uh, randomly, like, they're, you know, it's like the apex scene where they're going to infiltrate the prisoners out, you know, the last action, they, the climax of the movie, right? And they, like, randomly wrote and, like, make room. It's one of my greatest writing mysteries. Like, if I could be in the writing room for, like, top five times, you wish you could be in the writing room to see how the fuck they came up with this for this movie. Like, this would not only be on my list, folks. This would be my number one. And it's that Rambo movie where the general, during the apex climax scene of the movie, he makes time to call, like, some young boy into his personal quarters. And you're like, wow, this is really dark. Like, we are the Rambo movie already set, like, a death toll. Like, not just for all Rambo movies, but, like, movies over time for, like... Innocent blood killing women, women, children, elderly. Like there was some spoiler alert, like death, death camp scenes right in that movie. And at the end, like if that's not enough, like they got this general who's like doing all this stuff, and like now he's got to like molest this like teenage boy. And me and my friend Sean were just like, 
what the fuck are they putting this scene in here for? Like, Jesus Christ. And we're like, oh, I know. Easy. They're they're just they're just trying to get us. They're trying to get us worried. It's the classic scene where the hero comes and saves the day. He saves the day anytime now. Starts taking out the boys. Anytime now, Rambo. <laughs> Spoiler alert: Rambo never comes. And like they smash cut to like this teenage boy, like just kind of like hobbling out of the general's quarters, and like the general's having this post-coital cigarette, and then, of course, Rambo shows up and, like, fucks him up, and I'm like, you let the guy fuck the kid have the post-coital cigarette? Like, this is Hollywood, guy. Like, couldn't we have written in? I don't know. Like, the classic, you know, the classic scene. Like, like, why did Rambo have to show up late for that? And then, of course, at the end of the movie, he's like, writing credits written by Sylvester Sloan. I'm like, go figure. It makes That makes perfect fucking sense this was written by Sloan. You could have, you imagine going back in that writing room, they're just like, uh, 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 Sly? Yeah. Oh, we got one question on the script here. What is it? Yeah, we it, everything wraps up pretty nice in this last climactic action scene. It's pretty sweet, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it's sweet. Uh, just, um, the general. Yeah, it's the general. What about it? Uh, the scene. What exactly is he doing with this boy? The general's a bad guy. Well, I don't think anybody's disputing that, Sly. Uh, in fact, we could argue we've established that after the multiple killings. Do we really need him to sodomize this child? I just say it. What, you say the general's not a bad guy? Like, no, 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 Sly, relax. I- I'm saying I get it. He's a bad guy. We're on the same page. Just maybe we could cut the sodomy out. Whoa, whoa, whoa wait, wait. Who's, who's the head writer on this project? Sylvester Stallone. Who's Sylvester Stallone? You are. That's right. Sodomy stays. It's a compelling argument, Sly. That's why we have you aboard. Like, could you, like, what the fuck? You know, like, I was even watching like Rocky because I was like, I was like, oh, you haven't seen the original Rocky to my girlfriend? I'm like, oh, this will be fun, you know. And I, and and as we're watching, I'm realizing, I'm like, oof. This man. This, by the way, another movie written penned by Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> there's there's these weird, <laughs> there's just weird things in them all the time. And we're watching, and I'm, and at a certain point, I'm realizing, A, this doesn't age well, and B, I don't think I've rewatched this movie, Rocky, since I was a child. Like, I went back to watch the training scenes, but how how many of you on the other side of this microphone, when's the last time, ask yourself, big Rocky fans out there, and I'm not shitting on Rocky, I'm not trying to get Rocky canceled, I'm, I'm just saying, when's the last time you watch Rocky? Because go back and watch it. I'm watching with my girlfriend, and she's like, this is the sympathetic character? So far, he's just a creep that won't leave this girl alone, and his, who's and his, who's her brother is already some creepy sexual <laughs> deviant. They're just a bunch of creeps. <laughs> and you watch it, and you're just like, "Wow, I'm pretty sure Rocky is a. I'm pretty sure you know Mick touched Rocky when he was young, and he didn't know how to deal with it, and he's just sexually awkward and never like grew up." And that was the tension between Mick. I'm tr- I know, I know, Dan Tom, you got to perverse. I know I'm doing my normal Dan Tom thing here where I have to ruin classics of yours and pervert them. But honestly, go back and watch it. It's kind of the subtext. Like, you go, and there's not even subtext. Like, he's just an outright creep in scenes. You're like, wait, this is the hero? <laughs> wow, Dan, really, half your recap's going to be a Rocky tangent. All right, somebody else bought, somebody bought Fortiflora. Purina dog probiotics. You know, I probably should look into that. Um, 
with my own dog. <laughs> Someone bought Turtle Beach Recon Xbox controller. Oh, Xbox. I don't have an Xbox. I have PlayStation and... Ugh. I'm still trying to get rid of the freaking... Whatever. The Bing search marquee virus on my Mac right now. Whilst doing all this stuff. And uh, not only do... You know, has my internet connection not worked for my PlayStation Network account. Which is a common thing I guess I've read. Dude, now it won't even let me go on my network. PlayStation Network to like buy games, which I could do. I'm like, what the fuck, man? Like... God damn, I got some old PS4, I think, but still, I don't know, what the fuck? Anyone else having that issue? All right, uh, that's it for the Amazon reads. Apologies for that. Let's get to the recap, and we'll get the fuck out of here. Time's 20 minutes. <laughs> Jesus, Dan, and Rocky molestation stories. All right. Uh, <laughs> that note, uh, yeah, UFC 277 recap. All right, we went 10-3 and three in picks overall. 1-0 in the parlay, the loan and uh, the uh, not the loan, but the main parlay. We, we um, one and one in straight plays. 0-2 in props. Uh, 0-2 in round flyers, which were the a variation of one of the props I took, and it was only in one house, but still I account for it. 0-1 um, in fight night ads, which was only one of those, and 0-1 in long shot parlay, which. You know, I don't. It's like if I add that, should I add the fact that I always tell you guys that I always do whatever parlay my main card picks for like five or ten bucks? Because it's along those lines. It's barely ever gonna hit, but it's something that I kind of will do. And at least I do post the the long shot one, so I'm gonna obviously count for it, even though those will never hit at a low percentage and or high percentage, um, unless you're really lucky, and I am not. Um, plus, over just over a half a unit probably would have gotten uh, close to a unit profit. If I didn't um, give 0.33 units back, um, and, you know, so I still profit it because again, a lot of those round flyers, props, and stuff were for small amounts. I know I'm really, again, uh, I'm really bad at math uh, for just being, you know, good at numbers and certain certain things. As far as like basic shit, I always fuck up and forget to put zeros in certain decimal points. So maybe it could read wrong. Like I realize I don't think I put the I think I think I put 0.4 instead of 0 0.04, um, so people could still technically read that as 0.40, which it wasn't. It was only like four ducats, four dollars for those round flyers, those two of them. So it was only eight bucks total that I lost out on uh, between all my houses, right? So you know, because it was only at one house. So um, yeah, so I mean, that's how it still profits, but again, not much. Uh, but that's kind of how I do it, right? Uh, that's kind of how I normally played it. Don't don't play much. Play disciplined. Uh, and, and hey, I've, I've done that before and still eating shit. Who am I kidding? So, you know, I'm not going to do that revisionist history crap where just because I, you know, I had a winning night, let's see, this is what you do. This is what it's all about. And it's just like, well, even if I'm saying stuff that technically isn't true or maybe you all would agree with at a high clip, we all know that stuff doesn't matter in this game. <laughs> even someone like me who stresses showing the work, putting the work in, it, it, just, it takes a lot of luck, luck and good beats to go with it, man. That, 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 that is a part of the game. So, um... If you didn't do well, hopefully uh, y'all can bounce back. Not like me, because even though I had a winning night, it's not a bounce back night. I could have won all my bets, and it's still not a bounce back night. I've got a lot of bouncing back to do. So, um, no, no victory laps. No, not feeling too high off it, but I'll take it, and I'll be damn grateful for it, though. But, uh, but yeah, no, no bragging here. Um, from the top, Amanda Nunes defeated uh, Juliana Pena via unanimous decision. Um, 
it looks like uh what did they give for the uh Crosby went fifty forty three, D'Amato went fifty forty four, uh Montavo fifty forty five. Um I and I think uh most of the media scores it is I think went fifty some some brand of fifty forty four, fifty forty three. Um, I think the, at least in MMA decisions, uh, not to single them out, but you know, Hey, these guys are the guys that do uh, most of the criteria. So, uh, criteria stuff for the media amongst my colleagues. So credit where credit's due, Scott Fontana, Dan Urban, Sean Sheehan, uh, all outside of my guy, uh, Aaron Bronstetter as well. Jay Petrie. Um, I know Aaron was covering live. So again, when, when people are covering live, um, they usually aren't scoring. They usually have and should have more important duties. So... I do wonder, with that referencing that in mind, and again, um, I re- I went back to rewatch some of the uh, the co-main event and then most of the main event from like round two on. Um, and my initial thought was, I'm like, okay, I think at least two ten eights in there, and I ended up being well, not right because it's all subjective, but um, at least uh, consistent with my initial opinion when I went back to watch. And I think it's, you know, again, I would like to move toward, and I would think that we are moving toward, you know, 10-8s being back. So I would like to see those more liberally used again. Just from, not even from my normal contrarian standpoint of, you know, scoring stuff like more of the other striking analysts do in the community where they actually will use the 10-8s and 10-7s and tools that... You know, even criteria guys who I think were on the same page of that note as for maybe not how they adjudicate it, but in spirit. Like, because I know um, Scott Fontana, who I'm going to shout here probably uh, multiple times on this episode. Um, I know that's been a big thing for one of his biggest proponents as far as common threads. Um, at the end of the day, is kind of a deal for change slash um, criticisms. Uh, more tools, the better. And I think that's that's one that we can all agree on. You know. Um, so from that standpoint, yeah, I would like to see it used more, but, um, watching back, there are some things that are defensible. Now, one thing I do want to mention, and I hope does get mentioned, because again, the reason why I mentioned, I'm not a big, you know, perhaps the person who does MMA decisions, by the way, it's not shitting on them. It's like when I say I'm not a big stats guy, I don't mean to shit on like the Richard Manns of the world, the guys who, you know, are busting their ass, the legit statisticians, and are busting their ass to provide us numbers, you know, say what you will, um, as I say a lot, right, about stats, but it's important, we should still have these things. Yes, do I think certain things are incorrect, and yes, do I mainly, my main issue of people using them incorrectly with their arguments, of course, you know, um, because people, that's how people do it, you know, I was joking with the Khabib thing, where it was like, telling Khabib fans that, an impressive record is different than an influential legacy is like the most difficult thing to do. And I just, I didn't even bother listening to the Khabib fans that I pissed off. I just muted them because it doesn't matter what the argument, what the context Khabib fans will pace that 29 and 0 or 29 and 1, right? T-Bow or 20 and 1, whatever it is to T-Bow. But no, I'm just kidding. They'll post as whatever an O record, right? On a shield and they'll run headfirst into whatever argument. It doesn't matter what the argument's about. And they're like, no, but I've got, look, I've got undefeated. Uh, and they just run in. Um, it's because my numbers are just very easy to misuse, right? And I'm not picking on Khabib. It's, I like Khabib uh, or Khabib's fighting style and this and that. That's the ironic part of me kind of taking shots all the time. It's more just the fanboys and not fans of his. There's a lot of fans of his that are like legit some of my favorite people in this space. So I'm not shitting on them. Uh, but yeah, that's just an easy, uh, sorry, I'm getting a sidetrack on the numbers thing. 
Um, but yeah, numbers are just kind of, uh, you know, misused and whatnot. So I, yeah, I'm not trying to shit on, sorry, the MMA decisions, that's how I got on the stats, that's how I got on that argument. But yeah, I'm not trying to shit on people who are putting together these websites and doing this legwork. It's really important. And in fact, we should appreciate those people. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, you got to remember that everybody submitting it is, you know, almost anybody can submit to it. And obviously, I'm sure he's got some kind of, you know, um, what do you call, um, checks and balances. But, you know, I'll see, and I'm not trying to throw shade or whatever, but I'm just saying, like, I'll see, like, people who aren't media and are more on the betting side, and that's not throwing shade you could ask these people themselves and they'll throw scores up there and it's like you got to wonder I'm like well did that person bet on that fight um or whatever you know and so i just try to go by more of the consistent um, media names but that being said you know um just because media just because they're familiar with criteria they're human beings at the end of the day just like these judges and they're not infallible and they're definitely not uh beyond uh susceptivity i'm making up words here to influence right they're, they're not beyond being susceptible to influence um so that's why i bring up the broadcasting because and i'm not trying to pile on commentary although boy even amongst uh people who regularly crap on the dc rogan pairing i think really even this would be in their top three not just top five as far as i mean not the greatest nights for for, for these guys right um but the commentary was so and i get it I get what's going on, and people are like, "Well, I don't get it," and I get criticizing it. But at the and and you're fair to criticize it. You're probably right for criticizing it. But in, I guess not complete defense. Obviously, I'm not defending. Um, you know, I'm not not completely defending here. But in defense, there is this thing that happens, where especially when you're supposed to be unbiased, and 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 unbiased sometimes gets confused for balance and balance. It's good to be balanced and have balance as some type of prerequisite for many things, most things, if not, right, in life. But being unbiased, an unbiased commentator, an unbiased analyst, that doesn't necessarily mean balance. It's not necessarily the same thing. Not that balance is bad, right, again. But balance gets thrown in there as far as association and as far as inclination and nature because you don't want to just shit on somebody, especially they're bleeding, they're getting shit on, they're probably losing their title. It's not. I'm not saying it's right, and I'm not saying it's the job. I'm, I'm just explaining to you what it is. It's Again, what? Dan Tom's going to be one of the few podcasts that actually talk and account for human nature. Yes. Um, so, you know, uh, which I'll, I'll round to and how that equates to the scores and why I, I feel like 50-45s are, are, are defensible. And I'm actually surprised I didn't see more, even though I didn't score it that way. I'm just saying just because we don't agree doesn't mean we can't, like, uh, you know, um, come to understanding, to understand what's going on better. That's more important than agreeing or this or that, especially on something that's just so subjective like this shit. There's no right you know uh it's more just right side and we're, we're we're essentially splitting hairs here but yes um they're not beyond being influenced so a lot of times when a fighter is doing really bad you'll see commentators try to make up and that's where this toughness this is why toughness is so much value and why it's kind of when i pet peeves because not only when this happens you end up getting dishonest commentary even though in their head they're trying to be fair balanced kind all these things that by themselves are just are okay commendable fine i get it all those things by themselves but with this snowball effect of human nature 
um, as it is, you tend to kind of want to, you know, make up and, and, and that's fine. And there are ways to go about it. But what often happens is you end up just talking about the person's toughness because unless, you know, their mistakes and, and things you can criticize them for lead to them getting finished, well, the fight's going to continue to go on or the fight's going to continue to go on. Well, the commentators have to say something, right? So in their defense, partially, I, I, I want to I wanna throw that out there. But when that happens, what do you get? You get kind of dishonest commentary. You get a bit of overblown uh, moments of success, right? From the um, the uh, Tali Santos, uh, Tyler Santos versus uh, Valentina Shevchenko, right? How that kind of got overblown. So you have the dominant champion. Uh, Tim Elliott, Demetrius Johnson was a classic one. You go back and it's really just Tim Elliott having a decent round one. But because it was so unexpected, it set a tone and put a color and a tinge on the rest of the fight um, because we weren't expecting it. So everything else was overblown, right? And DJ was on a crazy run then. Whereas this fight, it was even more so because even though Pena wasn't having the unexpected success, she already beat, she already had that moment. So we knew it was possible. And... We've seen it before in Amanda Nunes' career, and we know that, you know, the pressure, albeit, you know, uh, it's stupid and unrefined or whatever mean descriptors you want to attach to it, um, we knew that that was the key at the end of the day. So there was a bit of that excitement, and I felt it too. I'm no better, by the way. I was getting caught up in it too because I had a small bet on Pena, right? Um only a quarter unit of exposure at first for my TKO flyer uh, via the long shot of the Action Network. And then with a good night, I added inside the distance at 0.33 units to bring it just over a half unit. But yeah, that's it wasn't a big bet, but that was more than enough to get me invested, right? And with the commentary, I'm like, oh, wow, maybe, maybe, maybe Pena did rock her. Which, by the way, it looked like she might have in round four, and that's also the round where Pena had her closest sub-attempt. So I know people were calling for that for a 10-8, but between those two things alone, um, I wouldn't get mad, you know? Um, and even though she didn't have a close sub-attempt or have the moment where it appears that she rocked Nunes on the feet in round four, in round three, when she was taken down, um, she was really active with throwing up submissions, even though... And and watching it back at first, I'm like, what? Pena only got credited with one submission attempt from, from fight metric. But I went back and watched it, and I'm like, you know what? They actually were correct with that. They were correct in the submission attempts. That being said, she still was thrown, you know, as far as like, you know, if they're going to, I always talk about it, we need to have metrics and perhaps they're going by uh, an attempt would be considered what a, a submission catch would be if we were doing like a Naga grappler's quest type of deal, right? Totally fine with that. And that actually was pretty consistent uh, with the way they, they track those stats. But yes, she was making, although maybe not enough to be gradient for that type of attempt, but she, she was making... Uh, offensive attempts that were getting stymied before they could even get close, granted. But still, she was making attempts, fighting, elbowing. Um, you want to count that enough to maybe not go 10-8 round three? I don't blame you. Round five, I still feel like it was a 10-8 live. I felt like it was a 10-8 there. Obviously, round two with the three knockdowns. I feel like if Pena didn't recover as well as she did and no-sell it as well as she did, uh, we'll get to Dracar close as well, by the way, another fighter who just really no... Not... It, 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 
complete opposite on the activity scale. You could argue he's he's not active enough, which is why his fights are close. But the reason why he consistently can take decisions, even when he doesn't arguably win, like the Bobby Green fight, and I'm already getting the Drakkar close right now, it's because um it, it, it uh, how he no sells it. And I mean, there's not many, and I bring that back to Pena round two here because there's not many fighters I think, regardless of what trend the judges are on. Um, and, and two of, two out of the three went 10-8 there. So, I mean, it's not like no one did or anything like that. The majority of them did. But I, I almost, you know, um, I don't know. Like I, it, it, I think it was a clear 10-8. Montavo went 10-9. But, you know, Montavo, and by the way, Montavo, solid, however you want to put it, mid-tier UFC, solid regional ref, solid overall mid-tier ref. I agree with that assessment. But. The reason why he's solid, but I'm not putting him in more of the upper, like Jason Herzog level, uh, because um, not just because we mainly see him stick to Texas, uh, or because he has to split double duties with judging and refing, and I don't like that Texas does that, so I try to cut the official slack that are put in that position, which he is one of them. Uh, but I will say this, and again, it's not as bad, but uh, Montavo, he maybe, you know. Maybe it's because I think I'm pretty sure he runs a jiu-jitsu school. He's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. Probably fought himself a bit, um, but he reminds. And maybe for those reasons, he reminds me of like the Texas Mario Yamasaki, the Mexican Mario Yamasaki. You know, uh, um, because uh, <clears throat> Montavo, he's pretty solid. Like he never, he, he, you don't see him making too atrocious of calls. But I will tell you one thing: you never see him do. Stop shit early. You never see him do that. That's a good thing for, especially for a lot of fighters out there. They, they'll want that type of referee. They, they, they'll want Montavo. But um, he seems to have a real high appetite for violence. And I bring that up because maybe you could say that that that, that contributes to the way he views scoring, right? Like, he's just like, not a 10-8 for me. I didn't see enough fucking guts come out. You know, like, <laughs> he's got the Kumite, um, you know. He's got the Kumite, the Kumite tolerance over there. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, uh, I, round two to me was a clear 10-8. And I feel like if she was wobbly and stuff and coming out of it, and it was, you, you had the wobbling, she's chasing her around, uh, I think you even go 10-7 there. Because again, 10-7, and that's what I didn't like about um, these in, the latest infographic that an athletic commission released in good faith. It, well-meaning. I appreciate them doing this. I, too, am a better visual learner. Some people do better with that than... I agree with all those things, folks. But again, even amongst the quote-unquote criteria nerds and my colleagues who... You know, by the way, shouts to my colleagues that are are further educating themselves. Honestly, it's great. Um, I hear that this courses are coming to Vegas. If if they do and it's feasible, I'm I'm definitely going to be looking to do them myself. Um... Though I will say to all, all my colleagues, whether you've done those courses or considering them or not, I still would consider everybody, if they haven't already, if they haven't in a while, um, go get some martial arts education, man. I tell you, the education I've gotten on the mats through the years is why I, I am where I am. I know what I know. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's good as well. So I would just, I would just, I would just throw that out there. But, um, but yes, um, sorry, I wasn't going to say that. I was going to fucking sidetracked um and i'm not throwing shade by that i'm just saying it, it you know because what everybody's saying who's going to these things are absolutely correct you know and that's why i commend them and that's why i want to do uh, to further it myself but that's what i was saying but even amongst 
again, this is why I kind of get PV because I, I don't have the ego. I don't care. I don't need fucking credit to be in a judge. I don't give a shit about that. Um, I just passionately have, I'm just passionate about the sport that I compete, participate, all those things, right? Um, and, uh, and one thing that even my colleagues weren't bringing up, again, one of the, you know, with that, with that, that infographic was the 10-7, which is the most, the 10-7 and 10-8 language sounded exact with the way that infographic made it, which was terrible. And the main, uh, defining attribute, arguably, of the 10-7 is that when a fight argue, was warrants a stoppage. When it warranted a stoppage, you know, the common sense thing for the 10-8 and 10-9 is, you know, how can we call this round a 10-9 if this round is also a 10-9, right? For the common sense part, right? And and then, of course, there's a whole criteria part explaining it. But what sets the criteria, I believe, further apart with the 10-7 and 10-8 is you have to have that note in there, which the commission themselves did not put that in. And uh, but yeah, that so I, I you know, <clears throat> yeah, I would have gone. Um, 50-43 would have been my scorecard. And again, that's no shade to 50-44s. That's definitely no shade to 50-45s, especially the fact that, you know, um, it was all, all all three people who, you know, arguably do the, the most work amongst, uh, uh, you know, you know uh, amongst uh, us media. So, um, and by the way, shouts to their podcast, if you're a podcast, Couchside Judges podcast. Uh, I'm sure they will go, uh, they're much more consistent about going into round scoring. Uh, than this podcast, and this is the only one I'm probably really going to do it for. Um, although there's a lot on the undercard, which I'll, I'll get to as well. Um, again, like I said, I actually am friends with one of the judges uh, from there. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, we'll, we'll get to those. But, um, but yeah, yeah, there was that uh, fight, so... Sorry, too much scoring talk. But yeah, she was uh, fucking her up from a southpaw stance. Who saw that coming, right? I mean, this is another reason. WMMA, it's like... WMMA is so hard to bet and just so hard to get your head around as an... I mean, we saw analysts who don't bet. Just like like they were better as like, I, I, I'm i done trying to guess WMMA. Of course, of course a fighter of any sex, right, late into their career can just come out and fight from another stance. Now, obviously, Juliana Pena, not the technical mastermind to really push or test um, the defense of a southpaw stance, which, you know, I know Rick Little gets a lot of crap and, you know, maybe not the, you know, the best uh, advice to fight a southpaw for sure, but I will say it's like, who saw that coming, right? And you saw him having to quickly pivot, and he's like, you, you know how to fight a southpaw. Remember Valentina. And I'm just, like, doing the math. I'm like, dude, that was over half a decade ago. That was January 2017. She's had a kid. She's had retirements. And no camps for South. Well, maybe. Montaigne was a Southpaw. But, yeah, like, um, clearly not a, a Southpaw prep. And, um, like, my guy Connor Rebus said, if one weird trick can win you the title, a dipping jab, well, another weird trick can taketh away. Uh, but, you know, to Nunez's credit, even though we couldn't see the defense tested, which that was kind of the spirit of Rick Little's message, which I didn't agree with. I, mean, I didn't disagree with the spirit of his message as far as, uh, you know, hey, the bright side of her going south. I know she's tagging you southpaw, but essentially the bright side is her defense isn't going to be as good if you want to shoot on her. Now, you know, the, the stutter steps to straight shots into the clinch, maybe not the best. Uh, you know, I'll tell you this is a southpaw who loves checking people with my lead right hand. I'm like, oh, please either stutter or overextend one of the two. You know, don't faint jab and take angles off of your straight shots or anything like that now. Um, 
because everybody forgets that they can jab against southpaws. And I know my guy Connor always, and I agree with him, he keeps shouting that to the skies. But I'm kind of glad that, like, these fighters aren't listening because, like, I'm like, cause when I hear that, I'm like, shh, don't give it away, man. <laughs> That's the southpaw advantage, you know? And sometimes fighters will go southpaw just to buy time to breathe, which originally I thought was a Nunez's plan. Um, which was just, you know, which is still smart and a great add-on to what she was doing where, you know, um, some fighters will switch southpaw just to bullshit you. They just want to breathe, you know. We'll talk about uh, Rafael Alves. He does a lot of, uh, maybe not so much switching, um, but he just does a lot of stuff that's just fluff to go, look, look what I'm doing. And, you know, smarter corners and Dobrich corners amongst that will pick up on it and yell, he's just buying time, go! He's not showing you anything. Don't. Don't buy what he's selling. It's bullshit, you know? Uh, but it wasn't bullshit, you know, because um, when Pena would come forward, uh, Nunez had the step, would you know, she'd have the check right hook counter. She'd have kind of a sloppy left hand where actually, you know, even the one where she dropped Pena with, yo, look, she actually got connected because she kind of crossed up her punches on it. Um, but after that, she would step back with her right and step into her home orthodox stance, which gives her a loaded right-hand counter, very smart. She would do the Dustin Poirier thing where she would kind of, you know, when she wasn't um, lead parrying, uh, Pena's prodding jabs, and she was wanting to come forward herself, she would kind of prod a lead right hand to step through with her left and hence loading a right, her, her, her prime weapon again from her, from her home stance. So she had clear work done, you know. Um, so you got to give her credit for that. And again, it's just... You know, again, I don't want to harp or complain when that, especially since I got out by the skin of my teeth. Granted, with a winning night, but um, you know, yeah, of course, of course, I, of course, this is gonna happen when a I bet a, a women's fight, um, and then Nunez, you know, it's just like I've, you know, I'll definitely give her the credit as the female goat. I really don't care about that. If you guys want to know who my, I think a more interesting question that was floating around was like, who is your favorite female fighter? I think I saw Jack Slum and saw Jack Slackass. I said, Loma look boom me. You know, I like Loma look boom me. You know, I'm a big fan of her too. But you know, mine is Marluce Coonan still to this day. Mar, she's just a, I love me some Marluce, man. She's a, she's a, she's a baddie in all the best ways. Um, and yeah, I've, I've never really been a big Amanda Nunes fan. That's been no secret, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, you got, got to give her credit where credit's due. And um you know, and whatnot, but, uh, yeah, I used to really just, uh, like, cause I love that Cat Singano. I don't even think I bet Cat Singano. Uh, I may have, I don't know. I just, I was very excited, but I, I just, I remember just wanting to be on the right side. I took a couple shots with Valentina and others. And then I'm like, okay, she went on our goat run and I kind of just left it alone and forgot about it. And then I was mad. I'm like, Oh, I missed my chance to be on the wrong side, wrong side of it. Maybe I got caught up in that excitement backing someone like Juliana Pena. Oh, Jesus. Um, I can't, <laughs> not trying to shit on her, poor girl, hopefully she heals okay, but like, oh my gosh, um, thankfully it was only a small shot, I, I knew, I knew better than to have any serious, uh, exposure on this sort of a fight, not rubbing it on, and if you did, by the way, I'm just, just saying for, for me and my style, um, at least I, I did know better than that for what it's worth. Um, Brandon Moreno defeated Kaikara France. I had a really good analysis of this one, I must say. I went to rewatch this one this morning. Um, I saw people complaining. That's the thing. It's like, there's legitimate complaints and scoring complaints on this card, I'm sure. 
again, go listen to like you know Couchside Judges, uh, TSN MMA Show, uh, Severe MMA Pod, for more consistent scoring talk. Um, but uh, but yeah, like um, I don't know. I I didn't. I, I I feel like you could make arguments both sides, and that's the ultimate thing about uh, the way we score fights and the subjectivity inherently involved in it. Um, is that you can really make these arguments, right? Either side on, on some of these rounds, you know. I forget, was it the first or the second, but Kaikara France, oh, first round, he's got good leg kicks to start. Um, toward the middle back half, he lands a really good right hand that's arguably the best uh, punch of the round, right? Best, a cleanest and hardest punch of the round. If a judge wants to focus on that, I don't blame them. And, and 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 again, giving credit where credit's due as far as, like, even though I don't agree with the 10-9s, like, I complain that grappling isn't given enough credit. So, you know, the only justification at least I can garner for the 10-9 is, okay, they're giving Juliana Pena credit for staying active as hell off her back. You know, isn't that something we want? You know what I'm saying? Or leg kicks. Like, you know, again, leg kicks or body strikes. If that's the argument... That's what it looks like. The only feasible argument. How can I give a judge crap for that when I'm, you know, one of the lead voices saying, you know, hey, we we don't value this enough. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, if they wanted to judge his leg kicks on the right hand, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with someone that gave Kai both those first rounds. He was piecing up Moreno until getting caught. Um, Kraus smartly called for the body, and again, that's something I I called in all my analysis. Um, it's those lead. It's that lead body kick. It's that left hook. And I probably called for it when I broke down their fight back at UFC 245 because you saw it with Paiva. It was the same thing that hurt Paiva. That same uh, extended combinations, counters, and off the extended combination, attaching that lead body kick. It hurt Kai multiple times. And again, a lot of people thought Kai lost that fight. And again, go back to fights. Go, go back to controversial scorecards. Right. Or outcomes even with the scorecards and if the fighter you thought won and was not credited with it um chances are they went to the body more or the legs more or both more right and that was the case with Holly and Paiva hell we'll get to it soon but there was a scorecard for Kim and people were like how the hell can you give Kim the first round um initial watch I agree with that take right how can you give her the first round I didn't go back and rewatch it but I did go back and peek at the stats, and Jocelyn Edwards, you know, again, numbers don't tell the story, but she did almost double her up and landed significant strikes, hence the opinion, the large opinion, majority opinion of Edwards won that round. But if you look at it, she also doubled her up in strikes to the body, Edwards did. So, again, the fighter you thought won was going to the body more. So congrats to you for having a good eye, but also understand, and God forbid give my fucking argument that I've been saying one of the only people consistently, whilst consistently uh, fight to fight card, having constant reminders of it on how it's undervalued, and cards like this, or the Glover Yuri card, remember that card, that card as well, um, where it was just bodywork brutality throughout the whole fucking card, you know? So... 
I know nobody cares, and no one will give me credit for uh, credit for that. Although I will, the Sean Sheehan's of the world and other other people, uh, couchside judges, they've actually given me credit for the bodywork talk. But I'm just saying in general, like this is not a topic we hear talked about. But look how important it, both in victories, and as well as the gradients and the gradient defeat, the way we grade fights, right? Um, so yeah, yeah but. Body work is always something to look at there, and I'm not saying this shit for no reason. I'm not getting proven right, at least from an anecdotal with hard facts to point to in conjunction from a week-to-week standpoint for nothing. Sergey, uh, but yeah, he uh, and, and Kaikar France also dips, crouches, and fades circles. All of the three to four that I just listed, majority of the time he goes right, and he goes right hard. So a guy who punctuates off his left side from left hook to left kicks, just stylistic kryptonite Moreno, plus the size bullying and durability bur- bullying. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe I should have went hard on Moreno there um, in hindsight, but I don't know. I just, I've been just kind of scared off a lot of my reads, to be honest, because I'm, I'm in my head. Um, same here again. Called another Derek Lewis fight down to the round. Uh, Pavlovich defeated Derek Lewis, round one punches. Um, I. I don't have an issue. I think I think because it's Derek Lewis, slash people bet on Derek Lewis, um, it it becomes more of an issue for the stoppage. Uh, I don't think you know people give it as much credit or credence. I will say the parallel though that it does come closest to is Sabah Hamasi versus uh, Abdul Razak Al Hassan. It was a similar exchange except Al Hassan was both close. Uh, or Hamasi, I should say, was both close enough and had the wherewithal to immediately shoot in to, for a single. So you couldn't tell him, like, did he face plant or did he shoot for a single? It was so close. And re-wrestling, even if it's going to be inevitable, if they're with it enough to re-wrestle and willing enough to re-wrestle, then I'm on the side of not getting pissed off and, and about it. But yes, I'm on the side of, you could have let it gone a little longer. Derek Lewis did look like he wanted to and tried to, but was too far away. And ultimately, he did face plant. And whenever someone face plants, goes limp, even if they bounce back to life, that body language alone, especially with big boys mid swinging and bagging, especially because Derek Lewis was already hurt and landed cleanly upon on multiple, multiple occasions, even at that point in the first round, I do not blame the referee at all for that stoppage. Um, picking bias aside, because there was no bet on that. Um, Pavlovich inside the distance was in a long shot parlay, but that already got shot down, and it wouldn't have closed anyways with the way the main event went. So no betting bias whatsoever there. Uh, Alexandre Pantoja defeated Alex Perez. This is this was tough because I love both guys. I was gonna be sad either way here, to be honest, folks. Even if I won the bet, because again, I'm a huge Pantoja fan. I've I've been a huge Pantoja fan, uh, defender of this guy. I never picked against these guys. You know what it is, man. When I finally pick against guys I never pick against, you know what? I do it in the MMA betting fashion that, like, so many MMA bettors base their game against. So, you know, like, old guy, he's mileage, or whatever, like, these typical fucking reasons, right? And I'm not shitting on it, because most of y'all do it, and you end up profitable more, more often than time. It's, so I'm not shitting on you guys. When I shit on these gambling trends, I'm not sh- don't take it personally, folks. If you're just like always betting the unders or the fight doesn't go the distance or the whatever, I'm not shitting on you guys. These are gambling trends for a reason, whether we like it or not, right? 
um, within context. What I'm shitting on is I hate it because, again, just like the way the beats are so fucking a part of the gambling game, um, so are these trends, right? And, of course, the beats don't go my way. Well, neither do the trends. You know, Stephen Thompson, guy I never picked against. Vicente Luque, face, I, I got this feeling, okay, I think this is the time. And then, of course, it's like fucking... Stephen Thompson puts on one of his last master classes of his career, right? And then that almost makes me overcorrect the steering wheel back into my Stephen Thompson fandom. And then I'm on the wrong side of the old guy because sure enough, after that fight, I think maybe there was the Jeff Neal fight that he gets off the skin of his teeth. But essentially, after the fight, we've seen the wheels finally fall off Stephen Thompson, right? And here I am with my dick in the wind, backing the veteran when no one else is. Oh, Dan Tom, what are you doing to yourself, right? Fucking classic. Of course, God forbid, I try to, I just, I'm just, you know, Rudolph here, trying to play the reindeer games. Hey, I can fade an old guy too, right? I know Pantos is not that old, especially compared to Press, but you get what I'm saying here, the spirit. And I'm like, you know, maybe this is his time to fall off. And then, of course, no, fucking insta-wrong at the expense of Alex Perez, who's a much better fighter than he was getting credit for. I mean, you know, like, some of the best analysts who you ask me who the best analysts, but oh, Ed Gallo, Ryan Wags, you know, of course, those guys know what's up and, and, and give Alex Perez credit for his skills and potential. But fortunately for Perez, he played into the uh, what I would call unfair analysis at the very least. And, and, you know, a lot of that is, you know, maybe people not doing the work. And you just see all the cancellations and that becomes the narrative of their breakdown. But he was just taking strays voluntarily, involuntarily or not all week long, Alex Perez was. And it was one of those things where it was like, man, bet aside, I would just, I, I could be on the other side and still be a Pantoja fan and have my money there. Part of me would have still been rooting for Alex Perez here just because he was just catching so much strays, um, been through so much shit. Everybody talks about the TKO loss. No one ever mentions the headbutt, even though Joe B himself acknowledged it right after on live air, but nobody ever mentions that shit. Nobody mentions the cage grab. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, I had a thought that, you know, on paper, which is why the opener opened the way it did, and they were right, by the way. So were you if you backed Pantoja. Congratulations. Hopefully you did so by a sub. That was the way to do it, man. Some nice plus money there. Happy for y'all. Don't don't get it twisted. Happy for Pantoja. Um, but the fact that we Prez didn't even get the fight and he just gets insta-sub and now it's just going to, oh, he's going to get shit. Hopefully that means we get a good line because he's definitely going to get a step down. I mean, how can he not? He, he literally faced the two best dudes in the division, Pantoja and Figueredo. Um, no offense to Moreno, but we've seen what happened with Pantoja. Um, despite what Rogan was saying, like, Jesus, if anybody can, can you know, be accused of being a figgy hater, especially at times. It's your boy here, right? Me, but I was, I was right there with you, figgy fans, man. Not that I'm not a fan of figgy. I think he's an amazing fighter. I I watch every time and just pick up amazing things he does. Again, it's not, it's not just like with Khabib. It's not. It's the fans. It's like, okay, are we a fan of this guy? Are we trying to suck his dick? What is it, folks? And again, nothing wrong with, you know, trying to suck a, another dude's dick. Even if you're a dude, fucking. Nah, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying like. From the way we're talking about it, like, are we, are we, are we picking them? Are we playing them? Are we a fan of them? Or are we trying to suck his dick? When, when I can't, when those lines are blurred, like, we need to fucking just take it easy, folks. Take it easy. That's all I'm saying. Nothing wrong with the dick sucking. Just look, fucking take it easy. All right. And I'm a big fan of Moreno, and you know, I picked him, and I, uh, I picked him more often than not in the series than I than, than I did Figueroa. Although I did pick Figueroa as well in the series. 
listen, Figgy is the real champ, and he was getting disrespected by Rogan, the broadcast, the narratives. That was that that bummed me out. That was gross. You know, Rogan saying this was a, a really controversial fight when Figgy was right there. I mean, no, it wasn't controversial. The only thing controversial was what is it, 48, 47 figure rate or was it 49, 46? Like, uh, that was the biggest question. <laughs> you know, like, what are you talking about? Um, like, it was not, we've had so many more controversial decisions. Um, fuck, their first fight was more of a controversial decision. It probably should have been a Figgy win. And I was consistent with that again. I know I get accused of being a Figgy hater, but I've defended him in these spots, and I'll defend Figgy again. Uh, that was just gross. So you know, I, I want to. You know, I, I'm with those of you saying let's just do Pantoja Figueredo, um, and I hope Pantoja at least has enough to get to the title now. And and he's like Brazilian. He's like flyweight Glover. He deserves it. Um, it's just you know Figueredo, man. That's the tough matchup for him if he can make that weight. Although the older Figueredo gets. It's also better as well because uh, the guy's bound for bantamweight, man. I just want to see him fight Peter Yan still. Anyways, we'll see how that all shakes out. I hope Perez can ba- get ba- can bounce back and show people uh, what's up and we get a good number on him and we can just fucking tell everybody to eat shit after that because uh, the guy's that that'd be my attitude if I was Alex Perez after having to deal with all this shit and I got to fucking fight, you know. The Beast, Pantoja, after that. Um, Dagestani Stipe, Magomed Ankalaev defeated Anthony Smith. Man, I was really rooting for everybody who had Anthony Smith ticket here. And my hearts are out to them uh, because I know what it's like to lose a fight by injury. Now, don't get me wrong. Anthony Smith wasn't doing great up until that point. Um, It wasn't like he was winning the fight, at least, right? Um, And he was probably going to lose that fight. Who are we kidding, right? That's why I picked him. But... You know, I picked Anthony Smith and Toutmaster for a reason. I was rooting for people who bet Anthony Smith and not calling them crazy for a reason because they weren't. You know, especially at those odds. Uh, and Kaliev, especially if he decides to fight safe, um, it is going to cost him. At the higher divisions, fighting safe is safe until it's not. And Ankalaev was asking for it with the way he last fought, but that's not how always how he how he has fought. And if you're aggressive, sometimes you can bring out the best in him. That's what I was reminded of watching the tape. Um... You know, uh, I was really high on Ankalaev. I don't know if I'm like, you know, the guy's on his nuts saying he's going to be a title challenger because his fights with uh, Krylov and uh, Santos kind of dampened that for me personally. But I went back to remember why I was high on him back when he first came in the division for a first place. And um, it's just too bad because we couldn't see either guy get to make their case, right? And they both wanted to in that matchup the way it was going was going to give us an answer but uh, I thought Anthony Smith fell funny and sure enough he did sat in his turtle position for way too long plus the injury good stoppage I could have probably been stopped earlier sure even yeah um uh you the kind of like I, I didn't post this because it's like kind of like the things where you guys you know I always post my or I always like put like five bucks or whatever on my main card picks kind of a deal uh, I actually did put a small free play on Anthony Smith in one house, it was like I think it was like six bucks or whatever the free play was left over for like a plus thirty three hundred round three prop at like literally one house. So I didn't, I did that last minute, didn't post it, but uh, and I'm not gonna cry about it here. But I will say, even though I technically picked Ankalaev between that free play and putting Anthony Smith and Tout Master, one could say uh, the injury streak I've still been on the wrong side of, and I didn't have a bet on this. I didn't, even though I picked Ankalaev. Um, 
I didn't have a bet on him. Well, outside of my main card pick, so I guess he was in that. So, yeah, I don't know. Off technicality, you could say, but I'm definitely not going to cry about it. Instead, extend my sympathies to those whose tickets it actually did affect because I know how that feels, and that's shitty, man. Alex Morono defeated Matthew Semmelsberger in Fantasy Jewish Fight League. Sunday, 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 swinging on Shabbat. Sorry. Um... <laughs> Shout out to at Chronic Combat. FJFL shout, man. That was so cool. Um, see my guys Tyler and Greg. Uh, I believe their guest host Brad was on there. Um, and yeah, man, they, they gave a Fantasy Jewish Fight League shout out for, for Semmelsberger, uh, which I love, man. I love hearing that on other shows. I was nervous because a lot of my friends in the community were on Semi the Jedi. And Semi just seems like a cool dude. So I was like, oh, fuck, man. Well, at least if I lose this, the silver lining is my friends will have cash, which seems to be the same song. Uh, I guess it went for me this time. Um, not as far as, like, I guess, like, I, got, I finally got a good beat. Like, no. <laughs> no. In fact, I almost was on the wrong end of a bad beat because Samuelsberger almost fucking late Masvidal uh, Askrind him in round three. But no, aside from that scary uh, beginning to round three, um, and scary round three overall, I guess you could say. Um, Morono clean, cleanly took um, the first two rounds. Uh, Drew Dober, as that was nice, uh, to secure profit, especially after this came through, uh, the second leg. We'll get to the first leg as we move down. Drew Dober defeated uh, Rafael, Rafael Alves, hooked to the body. Um, yeah, man. You know, you got Dober at a discount, and I'm not going to be hindsight because even though I picked Dober and made money on this, I didn't make money betting straight up Dober. I bet the uh, fight didn't, didn't go the distance. I actually parlayed the under in one house, which gave me better odds because it wouldn't let me do. Fight doesn't go the distance, but the official play, because, you know, I'll, I'll put the, the non-sexiest number up. Uh, I'm never one to beat the line anyways, and it's more about being on the right side. So, you know me, I'm... If anything, I'm like, uh, you know, I'm like anti-Tinder. I'm like uh, one of the few guys to secure with myself. I'll put the lower number out there, you know? Um, but, yeah, uh, nonetheless, they both iterations of it hit, which was my biggest bet for one unit. I know, big money. I know, I know, not much. But, you know, my biggest bet in comparison because the dog shot on Perez and Morono were only uh, three-quarter units, right? Um which was a good thing because that would have dug into my profit probably. Uh, maybe not because it would have evened out one for one. Not too far off on odds. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, uh, it was the body work. It was there all day. But uh, Dober, uh, uh, I know it was a high-action fight, and it's because I was betting the under. I was obviously much more biased and amped, like doing the, like, what are you letting him off the hook for, which may sound crazy to some of you. Um, but I just think his corner was also yelling at Dober, to be fair, because they they knew that uh, uh, he was falling and buying into his bullshit. Alves was tired. He was trying to act like he's like, I've got explosive stuff. You know, he throws explosive stuff. And he doesn't knock you out with it. He banks that it'll have built enough respect and represent, uh, reputation for him to recover until his next offering, right? And again, not going to be hindsight here because I got caught into the bullshit too. Maybe it was that, excuse me, Joe Anderson Brito Feely line, where it was like you know those those contender series guys that just make no sense and they come out and they just there's athletic dynamos right, and maybe they take out the guy who was always kind of fairly durable. Um, obviously, Dober much more durable than Feely, but Feely especially before that last one there was an there was an argument there. He's had a lot of those same feels, right? A lot of those same feels here. We've had some of these matchups, right? Bill Algio, I think, was in one. 
Uh, maybe that was against Brito as well. But like these are just beastly Brazilian dudes. But you know, you gotta you gotta you gotta what you gotta kind of read to you know who's looking the part and who's the. It's like playing the game with the Russian game. You know, you, you know, to, to stereotype. You know, you you, you gotta uh, play the sorting game here. And um, and yeah, man, um, whoever bought it on Dober wasn't me, so I can't take credit, even though I picked him and made money here. Um, you got a discount on him because of that fear, right? That potential, that live dogness, right? But Dober's chin, man, it, it looks the way it is and performs the way it does for a reason. And body work is brutal for a reason, man. It is kryptonite um, to a lot of these tough cats out there. Uh, shouts to anybody who 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 was who uh, put on Hamdi Abdel Wahab over Dante Mays. I picked Mays, and I also um, sprinkled on him by submission in some houses, some small flyers there, tailing my guy diehard MMA pod. You know, <clears throat> um, boy, but Mays, man, I thought you know maybe he's making some improvements. He definitely has athletic capabilities. Like, like did he do karate? It's like, oh no, he just kind of like especially for a heavyweight, has such control of his body that he moves well and can adapt to things. And it looked like he was finally taking those uh, capabilities in the right direction. But the dangerous part of that, especially if you're in a place like Jackson Wink that prioritizes flashy stuff over fundamentals, is that you can also go in the wrong direction. And it looks like it's pretty much he just can't say no to that flashy stuff. I mean, he looked like he tried to do an Eduardo Turtle, Eduardo Tellez Turtle style sweep, like a stepping sweep kind of a deal. A really dangerous one from a position that you shouldn't do it from. Uh, not just standing, but like there are spots where you can do it standing. If you're in a certain scramble, maybe you overthrew your right, your right leg is behind theirs. Now you can kind of back step forward to save yourself from being out of position and of a and, and you know you're still doing a sacrifice and a gamble there albeit he was just running right into these things like it just looks so ridiculous there's a gif going around of it now um so you know uh, part of me probably should have saw that coming too but that's why it was a flyer for a reason uh, Drakkar close was holding up the other leg of the parlay he was uh, my most secure piece i felt good with he defeated uh Rafa Garcia, half a Garcia, um, who came out and get, did his damnedest, but again, he couldn't get his wrestling going, and if he can't get his wrestling going, it's hard for Garcia, the rest of his game, to really work too well, um, even though he did have his moments here, uh, but close, um, dug it out, and he's just, he just knows optics very well, man, he knows how to no-sell things, he just knows how to sell things really well to the judges, and that often... Um, really speaks volumes. Didn't watch m much of Michael Morales versus Adam Fugit, um, but uh, Morales pulls one out. Um, Jocelyn Edwards defeated G on Kim. Um, yeah, I don't know. If, uh, at first I thought, was well, Kim at Syndicate again? But she was actually at Thailand for this camp, so I don't know if it was like one of those adjustment periods of camps. Um because Kim, usually to her credit, even though I picked Edwards to win here, nevertheless, you know, to Kim's credit, she does fight a bit more aggressively. And uh, I already gave you my opinion. Uh, I didn't go back and rewatch it, but as far as the scoring goes, Jocelyn Edwards doubled her up to the body, which maybe is why she didn't get the credit that many of you thought she deserved on the scorecards. 
Nikolai Negomarianu defeated Ihor Pateria. Um, by the way, uh, my guy, speaking of my guy earlier, Kyle Mack from uh, Combat Chronicle uh, podcast, um, he was mentioning in his podcast the uh, DC going, all the Mexican boxers, like Roberto Dur- and he almost, I'm like, oh, did anybody else catch that? And sure enough, my guy, of course, Kyle caught that. And to be honest, hopefully DC's wife didn't catch that because she's Mexican and she probably would have scolded him. Like, D- Daniel, you can't be fucking lumping us all in together, you know? Um, and I'm not trying to pile on DC in the commentary. You know, it's it's a hard job, man. Um, and I'll, I'll be lucky if I get to do it someday. I'll be very privileged. But yeah, man, like, um, you know, like DC and Rogan in round five was like, people... Girls watching around can know that there's an avenue to beat Amanda Nunes. As it's like the round five, she's getting ten eighted, new cuts opened up on her forehead. I'm like, oh, I don't know if that's the time to say that, DC. Um, but oh yeah, uh, the Nega Mariano. Like, I always, I was gonna bring this up in a past podcast because was I brought it up on past podcasts. Like, I always say this, like whether it's the UFC broadcast or other podcasts. Listen, folks, whenever Nikolai Negomariano faces, everybody gets weird about saying his last name. It's like they're afraid they're going to, I always say this, they're afraid they're going to get Joe Joe Rogan, right? They're afraid they're going to like be like Joe Rogan on his podcast and dropping an N-word. And they get so weird about it. And it's just almost like one of those things where it's like, it's only weird if you make it weird, you know? Uh, kind of a deal. Um, like, it's just a name. Say it. It's all, you know, like, it's like, oh, I don't want to say it because I don't want to be racist, but it's almost like you're giving it too much attention to where you could argue that's arguably more racist than just plowing through and maybe coming off like you mispronounce it, God forbid, right? Because you're trying to pronounce a difficult name that's not your thing. Like, of, of course that's what it is. I don't know if that, that's what I'm saying makes sense, but I've said this before, and... um Sure enough, it came up, and it was funny because I noticed this in watching tape for Volcan last week, and then I watched it um, again for doing tape on Ankalaya this week, which means I watched the Ankalaya-Uzdemir uh, fight, um, right, or whatever. Was that the fight it was, I believe? And I, I think it's, it's kind of Fight Island fight, and um, DC's like, Nick called them Nikolai. No one named Nikolai is fighting. And uh, DC's like, why are y'all going to let me say Nikolai? No, Nikolai is fighting. And then later Felder tries to save him and go, hey, DC, were you watching the fights last week? DC's like, yeah, why? He's like, did you catch Nikolai Negamarianu? And and DC's like, no, what the hell? And then he finally gets it. He goes, oh, yeah, 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 that's who I meant. That's who I meant. Like try to like save face, you know? And then um, someone goes, say the last name again. And then Paul Felder's like, no, I don't want to say it. And I'm like, oh, geez, here we go. So sure enough, right, we got, we got uh, DC calling uh, uh, Nega Mariano versus Poteria. And DC just stumbled on it. I don't know if anybody else caught that. And I'm just like, oh, he doesn't want to get Joe Rogan. And I just would have loved to have seen the... I was I was dying because I would have loved to have seen what their facial expressions were to each other because DC's must have been like, oh, I don't want to say that word. And then Rogan looking at him going, trust me, you don't want to say that word. Because <laughs> Rogan says it all the time, apparently. Um, but yeah, I was just like, oh, Jesus, the pot calling the kettle, potentially, in that booth. Um, so yeah, I don't know if anybody else caught that and you thought about... Um, me calling this exact scenario was going to happen out. Um, what else? 
Rogan being, yeah, Rogan was extra careful. And then you notice when Rogan was saying his name for the rest of the fight, Rogan was on. I have never heard Rogan on his best behavior before. For the, so I was just laughing every time Rogan was just like not even trying to fuck around because you know someone got into their ear after their quiet laugh and giggle fest that they always have, but you could kind of read the subtext. Um, yeah, that that's all I had for. Um, that's all. That's all I had for that fight. But uh, yeah, uh, put uh, Nega Mariano won. Congrats! I had a lot of friends on him. This was just one of those fights again that was just like. Um, it felt like one of those contentious Twitter fights where, like, you know, everybody has a strong opinion, and not only are they betting it, they're, like, betting, like, multiple units on it. I'm glad y'all cashed who cashed. Sympathies who didn't cash on the Pateria side. I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad here, but, again, I don't get... I'm, like, sitting here sweating, like, three-quarter units to a unit shot. Like, every once in a while, I'll take the 1.5. Eh, so rare I'll go two. And I always get burned when I go big. So I just, part of me is just envious of y'all. <laughs> you guys can so confidently take shots on these style of fights. Orion Kosky defeated Blood Diamond. Glad I didn't take a shot on this one like I was talking about blind betting because pre-fight, Kosky missed weight and... That was troublesome. Still ended up keeping him for my pick, even during even for Tout Master. And then sure enough, it ends with him going decision, so he wouldn't have gotten a TKO or sub anyway. So that bet would have crashed. All right, that recaps the card. I'm going to double-check Twitter to see if we got anything. Otherwise, that's more than a long enough episode here. Um, ba-da-ba-ba-ba, ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Um, yeah, I gave someone a response on, they had a bodywork question, um, Ali Gad, MMA, just if, like, attributed body shots, uh, do they attribute to a body shot KO or something like that, and, um, what do you say, do you find body shot KOs are often the result of repeated bodywork, or would you say it's pleasing but more unlikely result of using bodywork to tire and fade of an opponent? You know, it's, it, it all depends on context. A little column A, a little bit of column B, right? Attritive things should count both as a scoring and just as for a reductive, uh, you know, or, or uh, uh, not reductive, uh, as far as uh, deciding what, uh, you know, re- reverse engineering, how something happened, right? But similar to the head, attritive shots count and should count with the body, but you hit the solar plexus or liver, just like you knock someone unconscious or knock their equilibrium off foot. Um, Yeah, that can immediately say fuck all to whatever damage was being done from either side, right? So uh, it could be hard to exactly decipher. But yes, um, in more, and then also people don't work the body consistently, even when they're having success in MMA. So you got to work, watch more actual striking combat sports, like in boxing, for example. Um, I don't know why Ward Gotti won has come into mind when I know pretty, uh, Ward was a majority decision. He didn't stop Gotti when he won, but um, he was getting him with those body shots, and you'll see oftentimes, even when they actually get the body shot KO in boxing, um, you'll see that a fighter will be stammered and sent to a knee like a, you know, before the inevitable happens. Um, and then once you get touched there, they say, you know, you hear the commentary saying boxing a lot, like, it's easier to get hurt again now, right? So uh, I I definitely agree to that, but it's always hard to say one or the other. There's no, as I always say, folks, there's no easy answer for anything in this sport. You got to do the work, so time to turn the page, do the work for next week. Got a lot of work, a lot of things to do. And hopefully I'll be back on track with uh, both betting stuff, getting some top fives out there, and the like. 
Until then, uh, good luck on your picks and plays. I'll see you guys Thursday at Daniel Tom MMA on YouTube, at the PYM Podcast on all social platforms if you want to help, at Dan Tom MMA on Twitter, MixedMarshallAnalyst.com for the Amazon on it and PayPal click-throughs. All right, folks, uh, good luck, stay healthy, enjoy the finer things in life, and always protect your best.